Welcome to Freedive, to go deeper and emerge with a greater appreciation. Join us as we take a deep dive into the people, skills and expertise of Pensar's infrastructure specialists and their unusual approach to making complicated problems simple. Tune in for the stories behind the solutions and the personalities behind the expertise. Welcome to Australia, gentlemen. Thank you very much. I'm joined here by Mark Haydock and James Chilcott from RSK UK and in Australia. So James has come out from the UK for the next, how long are you here for? Uh, 11 nights. And I'll let James just talk to what he does in the RSK business. Yep. So I'm James Chilcott. So I've been at RSK for just coming up to four years now, and I'm the financial lead for the EMP division. So not sure if you're aware, but RSK has seven divisions and Pensar belongs in the EMP division. So firstly, welcome. It's great to have you. <laughs> and yeah, we've got around 15 businesses or so. Yeah, right. Uh, within the division. Within the division. And I've really thrown you under the bus here. <laughs> it's okay. okay. It's okay. He, uh, you got straight into <laughs> it. <there, aren't you? laughs> Just a little warm up. Yeah, yeah. Thing, but but you'll, yeah. Be pleased, you'll be pleased to know you have the largest business in the division. So there yeah, you go. So I mean, you. that's good and kind of terrifying at the same time. <laughs> yeah, it's mixed. But yeah. no, it's good. Thanks. So yeah, James, financial background looks after all of the, I guess, the planning and performance around the financials for the business and the group. Just come out for a short visit. And then with James, we've got Mark. Welcome, Mark. Thank you very much. Morning. Welcome to Freedive. Yes. <laughs> well, I like the name, by the way. Yeah, it but, is quite good. Yeah, it's good. So just as a, by way of an intro, Mark is the boss of RSK Australia and responsible for building the Australian businesses. But I'll just try over to Mark, mate, if you yeah. just give us a bit of a yeah, so, background of how you got here, I guess. Yeah, well, that's a good starting point, I suppose. So I came into the group nearly two years ago, so March 2021, via the acquisition, RSK's acquisition of EDP, which is a business that I was leading at the time, a business that had operations that were headquartered in the UK, mm-hmm. which health, safety and environment business. We had a small team of about 10 or 15 in Singapore. Then we opened an operation in Australia in, I think it's 2019, 2018, 2019. So at the time of the acquisition, we had about 25 people. In. So you were in Australia already before acquisition, did you say? No. So, so a bit of background. I worked in Australia from 2006 to 2012 yep. for some of the big boys. So I was at Coffee, which is now Tetra Tech for a while, GHD. And then I went back to the UK for eight or nine years, came back in August. So we, uh, the acquisition of EDP happened in the March. That was the first boots on the ground for RSK in Australia. Mm-hmm. And then I moved across in the middle of the pandemic in lockdown into hotel quarantine with a wife and three kids for two weeks, which was interesting. But uh, that was in the August to come and head up uh, RSK's aspirations to grow in Australia. So uh, yeah, it's been, I've been back. I would say we, we moved back in 2012. It took us nine years to come back. I think it took us about nine minutes to realize we'd done the wrong thing and <laughs> nine years to get back to Australia. So it's great to be back. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, welcome back. And Thanks. what is it about Australia that attracts you, do you think? I just think it's a great place to live and work. It's such a great country for the kids to grow up, for the family. So to get back to, uh, to Sydney and a safe environment for them. It's a bit of a change for them because of their ages and settling back into schools, et cetera, but they've taken to it well. Just a great country, good people, people that are fairly aligned with 
the British yeah. culture as well in terms of sport and yeah, yeah. So it, we find it even though it's on the other side of the world, a great place. Plus, you've got the weather on top, which is <laughs> well, yeah. usually, yeah, it's been a bit unsettled lately. Yeah. But so that's quite interesting. So, do you think that? I guess you were in my position a couple of years ago, and now you're mm. in another country, running out a whole new, I guess, region for RSK. Does that talk a little bit to the? I guess, the culture of RSK and how dynamic it is? 100%, yeah. So a business that's grown so rapidly. I think when, just pre-pandemic, don't quote me on these numbers, I think the the number of employees was around Mm 4,000. And now we're about 12,000. Hugely entrepreneurial business. The way that the business has grown and and structured creates opportunity Mm -hmm. for people. And I suppose I'm a case in point in that, that um, came into the group and within a couple of months, I'm on a plane to the other side of the world to, mm. to help build and grow the RSK brand and, and business in a, in a new geography, which is across the EDP business that I was part of that allowed other people to move up and move into different roles. Yep. And also so we've had intercompany transfers, people moving countries. Yep. So the opportunity side of it is a huge part of the the RSK culture. And I guess yeah. even for you, James, without the Australian business, you wouldn't be sitting out here right now. So, First visit, by the way. First visit to Australia. Yeah. Definitely not. Someone would have told me a few years ago that I'd be sat here now talking to you. I'd, yeah, I'd, To be honest, being part of RSK, I probably wouldn't be surprised <laughs> because it's such a great journey to be on. But I'd still be a bit like, okay, all right. Yeah. If it's someone had told you yesterday that you'd be doing a podcast, you'd be a bit surprised. I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be here now. I wouldn't be here now. I'd, I'd have had jet lags. We broke him in at the yeah. last minute. We got him over the line. So I guess RSK, the business itself, yes. a little bit of background on that, if you wouldn't mind. I, I guess we're aware that it started with Alan and a couple yep. of partners back 25-ish 30 years ago. odd years, I think, 89, I think. So Alan... Yep. Ryder, our CEO, was the R of RSK. Yep. K was, I believe, his university professor. Yeah. Unfortunately, he's no longer with us, but helped him set up the business. The S was somebody who was supposed to join, but didn't want to put the thousand pounds in to help set up the business. So backed out at the last minute, but Alan had already printed the stationery. So he stuck with the RSK. But I think one of his early recruits was an S. So that kind of filled filled that gap. Yeah, backfilled it. Yep. We always wondered whether there was an I in there somewhere. <laughs> My son says that. He said, you work for risk. He said, it must be risk. But um, So the business was set up 30 years ago. Once Alan had left kind of his PhD studies, and the business has continued to, to build and grow. Initially, a, an environmental business and then offering a full suite of environmental engineering technical services with a, a huge focus on sustainable solutions in the more recent few years. So, yeah, the business has, has grown. Alan very much is still the leader of the business and hugely passionate about continuing to build and grow a global footprint for, for RSK. What do you think, at essence, what's Alan trying to do, do you think? In terms of solutions, everything we do is underpinned by the, the sustainability agenda, the ESG agenda. So finding solutions that work for our clients that make the, you know, without getting too corny or cliche, <laughs> make the world a better place, you know, and and make sure that the, the world's in a better place for the generations to come. We touched on before opportunity. I think for the staff and the businesses that come in, the opportunity piece is huge. And he's trying to build a, or we're all trying to build, I think, a family of businesses that can work together that are greater than some of the parts. Mm. And businesses that want to join the group will benefit from being part of the group and buy into to what we're trying to achieve. We'll, I think we'll always have a home with RSK. 
it sounds to me like just with the little bits of information I've heard, it doesn't sound like he's doing it for the money. Like it sounds like he's heading towards some sort of vision or some sort of purpose that he has in mind and and everything that he's doing is headed towards that and aligned with that. Do you think that's, that's a 100%. fair yeah. assessment of where he's at? Yeah, I don't think money motivates Alan or the board. I think they're hugely driven by, I would say, the sustainability and the sustainable solutions that are needed mm. around the world. So, you know, taking Australian angle to that, what we're trying to achieve here is is building climate resilience for our clients as in a land of extremes. And we've seen now you touched on, here, yeah. <laughs> touched on the rains before and, you know, we'll probably have bushfires next year. We'll go from one extreme to the other, floods and, and then bushfires. like a concept that we've sort of had in the back of our mind has been disaster ready. Yeah. So... Yep. You know, back in the late, well, leading into 2010, we had, you know, the millennium drought and it was, I guess, the the disaster there was actually water security. So we had desal plants, interconnected pipelines, dams, everything getting built in a frantic hurry Yeah, at great expense, mind you. And then as an example of that, once that was finished, we had the 11 floods. Yeah. <laughs> so they never switched on. But then we had absolute devastation in terms of floods so it is it is a place that has massive extremes and i think we've just come off realistically a pretty wet period for the last three years and it felt like this season just changed yes and that we're headed back to a more traditional sort of drier yeah period so again you can just imagine over the next four or five years the ability and for a company like pensar and the other ones within the group to be able to respond to the need for water security it's going to be very likely that that will be required and I guess you know for people in Pensar knowing that that's right within our sort of wheelhouse that that type of project with the broader group and capability is exactly what we're here and able to deliver for the clients yeah well as you know all of our decisions are underpinned by the UN sustainability development goals the UN SDGs and one of those is around water security and, and that's a huge part of our strategy is to develop solutions for our clients that provide water security. Wamram's a great, great yeah, example a great of example, that, type, yeah. that type of project. So there's the synergies that we see between Pensar and, and RSK and why when we started talking to you and, and the team that we could see that it was a great fit. Yeah, and just touching on that UN sustainability goals, not everyone may be aware of, I think there's 17 there is UN 17, yep. Sustainability goals, of which I think seven or eight align with RSK's sort of direct strategy. Maybe the more. plan is all 17 over time. Yeah. Um, as some are a bit more left field than others in terms of what we currently do. But yeah, there's some obvious ones there sustainable infrastructure. Yep. So again, tying back to RSK's Australia strategy, future proof in Australia, population growth, developing the sustainable infrastructure solutions that are going to be needed for that population growth yep. over the next couple of decades is a key part of what we're trying to do. One of the things that flows on from that is it's probably a bit of a segue into into the ARIS relationship and it's well documented, I guess, if people were to look it up. But the way I understand RSK, its funding comes from ARES, A-R-E-S, ARES, ARES, yeah. ARES. Yep out of Europe, essentially, that has a large fund. And they provided that debt and that capital to RSK to make acquisitions in the current build-out phase of the business. But the interesting thing that 
to me was that that funding came from a sustainability-led fund so that it was for businesses that were aligned with you in sustainability goals and that were doing the right thing for the environment. Yep. And I just wouldn't mind if you had some thoughts around or things to share around that relationship. And I think it's really important to, for people to realise it's not just a relationship with a big traditional bank that's just yep. giving money to anyone. This is quite a unique relationship. It is, um, and they've been a big supporter of the business because of the types of solutions and services that we offer. They've supported us over the last few years, probably throw to James in a minute because he's the uh, finance man, <laughs> but Aries, the facility is, or was at the time, one of the largest facilities of its type that was linked to sustainability and ESG metrics. So the way that it works is we have metrics of KPIs that we measure within the business, and if we perform well in ESG space, we get a discount from the kind of interest rate on the loans that we use for our acquisitions. The money that we save then goes into, it's not actually a foundation, but that type of approach to use for sustainable projects or charity charitable projects mm -hmm. around the world. Yep. So it's kind of that full loop, that full circle, which is all about, yeah, this, that's what we are, you know, in terms of our culture. So um the funding matches our culture, which is a really important thing for the board, I think. Yeah. Do you want to? Yeah. And like I say, Alan always talks about Aries as being one of our, our partners. And I think he said it's probably one of the best relationships he's ever had with a, a lender. And I think the bit what I think is really good about the way we do our financing is that, okay, obviously private equity involved, but it's debt funding mm. rather than equity. And I think the good thing about that is as long as obviously, you know, you keep making the payments, you have, you're at the will. There's not someone there who's going to try and turn that business around and make loads of money and then sell it back on. So it's very yeah. a, a long-term partner. We might jump into that because that's quite an interesting point. I think a lot of people who may not have experience with the acquisitions of businesses, there's probably a lot of horror stories out there of companies that have been acquired and what it's been like to be someone working in the company. And Clearly, there's different transaction models, one being private equity that you mentioned and very much around they own a minority share in the business and control everything and they only have a four-year window or five-year mandate within which they need to make as much profit as possible by ripping out cost and pumping revenue and then flip it. So working within an organisation like that, I know people within our company who've been on that side and, yep. and it hasn't been good. The difference I see here is exactly what you said. It's not private equity. The ownership of the business stays where it is. Yep. It's a debt fund. And the business, correct me if I'm wrong, has been purchased with no end date in mind. It's correct. now yep. an RSK yep. company yep. with no, it's not like private equity where it's going to be sold off for a profit. Does that sort of align with the strategy of RSK that they sort of buy in for the long term and That's correct. You know, yep. help to build value over a very long period of time? Definitely. Yep. And it's worth noting we're not, on a stock exchange either. Yes. In the previous company I worked at, we were a you know, FTSE 100. So I was one of the biggest, 100 biggest companies in the UK. And you find yourself chasing numbers very quickly so that you keep the markets happy. Mm. Whereas again, because as long as we're keeping areas on, on that journey with us, it's we're able to be long, you know, a lot more strategic and long-term. Yeah, so you're not on the news cycle. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's yeah. worth noting that the, yeah, the business is completely employee-owned as well. So yeah. that... that feeds into the culture. And as James was saying, you haven't got those external stakeholders who are trying to drive a quick return. 
Yeah. And that's a really important point for the board. They remain in full control of the business. And that does affect, you know, the culture of the business and, and how it's managed. Yeah, and when you talk about that employee ownership, I think it reminds me of something you mentioned. It was fresh after the transaction took place, but there was actually an email went around where there was the opportunity for staff to invest into some of the shares of a someone who was retiring some of their shares. Yeah. That ownership scheme, if people wanted to participate, obviously it's it's probably sporadic, I'm assuming, based on when people sell them. But who is it the anyone in the business has access to that scheme? Yeah, so the, the email goes out from Alan to all staff, mm. which I think is great personally. I've been in, as I said before, just short of two years and there's been two rounds where mm-hmm. people have had the ability to purchase shares. So that kind of gives you an idea of the frequency of how often that happens. And what's really good, I think, as well, is that you can buy one share. So for people who just want to be part of something but might not necessarily have the funds available to to make a huge purchase of shares but want to feel part of it, then you can buy one, 10, 15, however many mm. you see fit. And I think that's great. Mm. The more shareholders, the better, the broader. Yeah. And it is a key point, isn't it? It's not an ASX-listed company in Australia as an equivalent. It's owned by the staff, which is a pretty unique point of difference. Mm. Yeah, Alan Ryder, how, you've probably spent more time with him yourself. Describe what it's like a day with Alan Ryder. I think the thing is with Alan is what I've learned from him is he's like no other CEO I've, I've come across, and I mean that in a good way. Mm. And I think when we talk about the family, I know we a lot of companies sort of band that around quite easily but it does feel like when you're talking to him like he he takes the time to to get to know you to make sure you're okay i can remember in my last company where that one opportunity you have to talk to your ceo and you're you're really nervous you're shaking and you know you've you script it and then you know they want you in and out of that office as quick as possible whereas alan has i don't know how he creates his time but he does yeah and a very personable person i think he's Clearly, you're not an entrepreneur in the sense that he has a vision. I've never seen anyone who can see anything and see the opportunity in it. Mm-hmm. So we're obviously a very optimistic person mm-hmm. and very personable. I can remember I went through a difficult time with my family. My father was ill and I actually had a message from Alan saying, I hope everything's okay. Take all the time you need. And bearing in mind, what well, RSK has 12,000 employees. Yeah. So yeah, to do that. And, yeah. and it's sincere as well. So you, you, know, you generally believe it and he does care. Mm. He sees opportunity where other people don't see it. You know, he's gone into places like Iraq and built businesses there because of the opportunity and a need. A client, an important client to him, had a need, and he was willing to to roll up his sleeves and so get. Is in. it a bit like a say yes and work it out later? Yeah, yeah, very much yep. so. And I think that's the entrepreneurial. He finds ways of doing things, not finds way of not doing things. Which, when you can get into large organisations, it can get quite conservative, mm. and red tape and bureaucracy kicks in. It's quite a flat structure at RSK, so mm. you can pick up the phone and say, I want to do this, I've got this idea. And generally, Alan and the board are very supportive of that, get behind it. And um, if people have got a good idea, he will support it. And that's how the business grows, and that's the entrepreneurial nature of the business. So RSK today, how many acquisitions have been made? I know numbers are banded around, oh. aren't they? Yeah. <laughs> the, the, the number generally yeah. is around 170. And the majority of those have been the last kind of four or five years because of kind of the, how the business developed and the funding that came into the business. And so, staff levels. I'm assuming that's pretty fluid too, but above 10,000? 12,000. 12,000. 
I feel sorry for our kind of marketing and comms team because <laughs> the minute they do a slide or a brochure, it's out of date, either with businesses joining or numbers of staff, et cetera. Mm. But you can never pin it to a, an exact number, but it's around 12,000. Yeah. And I think in the, I read just in the public media, I think the Aries fund was circa a billion pound yep. of funding. Do you have a, a feel more for giving us an indication where on that growth or acquisition curve we are? Do you have a rough percentage of how far through, you know, that billion dollar fund RSK may be? Yeah, I think they're probably about three quarters of the way through that. Yep. I'm looking to further invest in good businesses. Yep. Um, so still plenty of room, you know, for more acquisitions to add to the group? Yeah, I think the board's view is that this isn't kind of a buy and build strategy. This is the way that we do business. And mm -hmm. if there's a business that can benefit from being part of the group, they will yep. find a way to bring them in. So it's a very transparent group as well in terms of talking about debt and talking about how we fund things. Yeah talking about the Aries relationship and being proud of that because it is sustainability linked. It's not, you know, a lot of businesses might try and hide that bit, but... I think it's very important for our team members to, I guess, have an appreciation for how the how the business is backed. And, yeah. you know, and I'm sure everything you've said would resonate really well mm. with the broader team. If we were to dial into the Australian plans and where you're at so far... I don't think the other people in our broader business would know the other companies that have been acquired. And yep. I think we were number five or yeah, six. Five or six, yeah. Five or six, yeah, yeah. yeah. Could you just maybe give a brief overview of the other companies that sort of, I guess, we've become colleagues of? Yeah, of course, yeah. So I'll kind of do, and do them in order, chronological order. So as I mentioned before, EDP was the first business in Australia for RSK. It's an environmental health and safety, occupational hygiene business headquartered in, in St. Leonard's in New South Wales. There's an office in Brisbane, which will be relevant to the Pensar team as well. Uh, Green Slopes, I think it is. Yeah. Yep. A team of about 10 there in, in Brisbane. Just opened in Melbourne in the last week or two. Does a lot of work with Defence as a client and a variety of other, other developers, builders, education, and a range of other clients. Really good team, strong team. Up to, so when we came in as a business, there's about 25 people in Sydney. That business has grown over the last two years to about 60 mm -hmm. consultants. So that's that's EDP. And then in the November 21, we brought in a business called Western Project Services, which a is- few, A few other people have, yeah. uh, would have come across Dion. Yeah. Not as many in the broader business. Yeah, so yeah. Dion's a great guy. And I don't think from a- yeah, He's a good bloke, but don't. Playing, don't let him know. No, exactly. Yeah, he that, won't no. listen to this, so it's fine. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Don't want to pump up his wheels too much. Um, no, he's a nice guy. He's a, he's a great. And from a, the whole team there, the first acquisition RSK Australia did when we were on the ground here, we couldn't have picked a better team, mm. both in terms of Dion and how we led the business and the team and how they took to life in RSK and yep. saw the opportunity of being one of the first businesses into RSK Australia. So they're a, a project management business that focuses predominantly on transport mm -hmm. but uh, widening out into other sectors hoping to get into the water sector um, working with Pentar yeah. hopefully in the future and they've cut a really nice niche in the regional market mm. so where some of the big boys will focus in in the metro areas on the big transport infrastructure projects Dion and the team do a lot of work in the region so headquartered mm. in Bathurst in New South Wales office in Dubbo they operate 
up in Brisbane as well. Yep. And uh, that business has grown as well, doubled in size pretty much since it came in in, in 18 months mm-hmm. with the support of RSK. And then another project management, program management, kind of project controls business called Progents, which also works in, in the transport sector, but also mining and ports as well. They're Hunter-based, so Newcastle-based and led by Gav. Yep. Gavin, you met some of your yeah, team might have met already. Yeah, he's a good we, bloke. And, yeah. and we, we've actually had a few leads come uh, which is through brilliant. from the yeah. Progents guys that we're yeah. working on now. To um, hear that's happening already yeah. is amazing because they're the synergies you talk about. Yeah. You hope will be realized once the businesses well, could, come in. Yeah, I think that culture of encouraging that direct communication between the business units. I guess there's probably a similar culture amongst all of the RSK organizations, which is probably to no surprise. And I think when essentially when teams get together from the two businesses, there seems to be a good fit straight yeah. away. Yeah. So that hasn't been difficult to make that sort of all those connections work yeah so culture is a big part when we're looking at acquisitions and can we work with the teams can we help can we add value you know as 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 a business and that's why i think when businesses come in they find Mm. that they get on well with people because you pass the sarah test we always say (laughs) so sarah who's divisional director for the environment and planning division and a group board member for rsk you met early doors uh, yep. in the process. She's very much around culture and making sure that it's aligned. Hmm. And we we have a joke around uh, passing the Sarah test, which we must have done both of us. At some <laughs> time. Maybe the, maybe the bar's quite low. I don't yeah. know. But, um, <laughs> no, it's, uh, and then other businesses that are in the group. So SJ came in in the middle of last year. SJ is a construction advisory business, works front and back end of projects, yep. project and program management teams large part of what they do is around expert advisory work so expert witness type stuff on yep. big infrastructure disputes and they are they've gone gangbusters since they came into the group as well yeah and i think we're catching up with steve and lionel after we finish the podcast yeah. today actually yeah they're um pretty keen to build a business up here in queensland i think they've got a great opportunity to do that with the amount of large projects that are sort of on the drawing board or partway through yeah they're the go-to business for those types of commercial things yeah <laughs> in sydney developed a decent team in melbourne as well and they've got it's eyes good on to have that back up yeah. in-house yeah not everything always goes to plan but having someone reliable that you can call on i think that that's a great value having steve steve abbott who runs the business in, in your corner in is, your corner it's probably better than being in the opposite corner <laughs> i would say <laughs> totally yeah, yeah. <laughs> look i mean we should probably maybe just talk to a couple of things around i guess the team at pensard would probably be keen to learn maybe just a few things that that or or value added opportunities or things that being part of rsk that they may see is there anything that you can sort of talk about in that respect yeah there's a lot i think just to pick one or two things and kind of build on the opportunity theme as people's careers develop i think the opportunity to be involved with other businesses more diverse or projects work internationally are all opportunities that we want to be able to facilitate as being part of a bigger group. We started to develop that in Australia. So we've got a framework for people to try work in the UK and we've had people from the UK come to Australia and that's worked quite well at all levels as well from graduate all the way through to someone like Stephen Kirk, who's a director yeah. who's come over and helped support RSK Australia build. 
So those are the types of opportunities we're really keen. And that might be people coming and supporting Pensa from other businesses within the group, working together with a, a multidisciplinary projects that maybe Pensar didn't look at before, but with the support of other businesses internationally or within Australia, we can work together on giving that diversity, I think. But that's the real, you know, for people who are listening to this, opportunity, I think, to develop the careers that, the way that they want. Mm. And we, we encourage people to explore that, an early opportunity, and start having those conversations because there are benefits of being part of a, a group like RSK. We want to make sure people feel that. Yeah. and have the opportunity to um, to have discussions and bring some of that into play. Yeah, because I guess if someone had worked for Pinsar in the past and had aspirations to work in Southeast Asia or Europe or the UK, yeah. Africa even, they would have had to leave the business to do that. And I think probably at quite all levels of the business, that, that opportunity that if they want to explore that opportunity, then perhaps we can provide that within the group rather than having to leave because we'd rather keep them within. Keep them in the group. Yeah. The group. As we were saying before, our people are our strength, you know, within a business like RSK. And to be able to retain that talent in the group benefits the group and they might come back with um, greater experience. They might stay and, and work in other parts of the group. They might move to another part and somebody comes in in their place and creates another opportunity for someone else in the wider group. Yeah, that, that retention of, of good people mm. is key. And as I said before, one of the, the key drivers for, for bringing Pensar into the, into the business, into RSK group, was the people. So we want to build on that. Yeah, and I yeah. think we've had conversations around what does RSK envision for Pensar? And I think the overwhelming response has been, what do you guys want to do? And RSK is here to help facilitate that to happen and from that point of view for everyone in the team i guess we're sort of rsk hasn't bought the business to have it sit still and we haven't continued like myself and the other directors aren't here to just see it sit still either yeah so we don't want to grow it so fast that it unravels but our first hurdle will be to double the scale of the business we haven't set a time frame for that yet but we'll work through that but within that if you go from you know 200 to 400 staff think about the amount of additional people and resources required to achieve that from all levels of the business. The way I look at it is even just within that, within Pensar, the opportunity of doubling the business, we wouldn't have been able to go from 200 to 400 staff on our own. And yeah. having so the opportunities would have been somewhat limited to a degree. Now, when a business doubles with the backing of a bigger business, the opportunities open up, right? I mean, you need more project managers, you need more construction managers, you need more leaders in all parts of this, more skilled trades, people on the ground, so more apprentices. So I think there's, even within the Pensar, by being back with RSK, the opportunities just open up yeah. immensely. And then when you take into account the broader business and having that ability, and it might only be a handful of people aspire to, to do that, but it's there and the opportunities there, as is, I imagine, things like, someone who's very technical in an area and there's a business somewhere in the group that has that really cutting-edge expertise in that area, you know, my view would be let's send them over there and spend yeah. a couple of months in that business and learn and then come back with that knowledge. Like After the battle of coming into a group like RSK is understanding the breadth of what we do. Yeah. I'm still working on that. I'm probably, James is still well, after changing. four years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 You know what? I suddenly feel like I was quite lucky to join four years ago, but even then when I joined, I was like, 
it's it's a bit of a maze to get yeah. your head around in the air. It's, so that's our role is helping you navigate the group, yep. facilitating the discussions and the opportunities that you want to explore. We haven't really touched on structure and, and how things work, but we invest in businesses, we invest in teams and provide autonomy for you to... So you said before, what does RSK want with out of Pensar? It's very much how, how do you as a team want to take it forward and then how does RSK help and facilitate that? Because we're not in the business of buying and investing in businesses and leadership teams and teams and then telling them what to do. You know the markets better than we do. You understand the services and how Pensar can best grow. We're happy to input into that and be part of the strategy discussions. But really, it's around how do we help you achieve that. And I think where other businesses might fail on when it comes to acquisitions is bringing teams in, trying to rebrand, trying to, you know, Sarah would say, change the chip from Pensar to whoever and telling teams how to do yeah, you know, how to do it, and that's not the RSK way. Yep. That's not the entrepreneurial way. Um, so we're learning around about Pensar and what you guys do, and you're learning about RSK, and then it's about getting together and how we can, as I said right at the beginning, be better or greater than the sum of our parts, which is I think really we might go global after this. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> there it goes. Well, gentlemen, I think we've gone through a fair bit there, and really appreciate your time. Thanks, Thank James. You. Thanks, Mark. Well done, James. Wrote to another last minute. That's a wrap. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of Free Dive. We look forward to you joining in for our next episode. If you'd like to share your story, send us an email at freedive at pensar.com.au. We look forward to hearing from you. And remember, if you enjoyed it, tell your friends. <laughs>